Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Episcopal Church in Vero Beach, Florida. We are glad to have you join us. Our hope is that this sermon will instill you with a profound sense of God's love and that you might receive and reflect His glory to your community. Lord, as we gather this morning in the name of your Son, we do ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to you, to your presence, to the life that you have poured out upon us, to the great love and mercy that we know in your Son, Jesus. Draw us near to you. And so we do say in all that we do this morning, especially, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. For it is in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we pray. Amen. Please be seated. I just finished uh, spending a brief amount of time in the adult forum before making my way over here. And I was talking about a concert I heard briefly that was on PBS last night at about 9 o'clock. It was a jazz concert live from Lincoln Center. And the man who was singing, who I'd actually never heard before, who had a lead in Hamilton, was singing a lot of jazz standards, and, but he had a wonderful way of shaping it according to his own vocal gifts and to the audience, because most of what he did was very, very upbeat in this. But what struck me was the last song I heard before I turned the clicker off and went to sleep, because I had to get up early, um, was a new rendition of, from a song from a musical called Pal Joey. I mean, that's like ancient history now. And, um, and in the, the chorus, the singer repeats the name Joey over and over and over again. And it's, it's a call. The singer is reaching out to this character. And a surprising thing happened to me. As I turned the clicker off, turned off the TV, and just was sitting, laying out, actually, in the darkness. I really felt something of God calling me. It wasn't the singer calling Joey, after all, that I was actually sensing. It was God calling me, his son. And I felt something just break open inside. It was like the presence of, the God, of God just blowing into the room of my heart. And I felt wonderfully at rest, blessed in all of the best senses of that word. And I knew the truth in that moment of this little umbrella that's actually here on the pulpit that says, God's got you covered. And, and that's what I felt as I was going to sleep and beginning to think about what was next in terms of tomorrow morning. Here, sermon, confirmation. I tell you that story because what I actually want to talk about is three words that are laid out. If you start from the gospel and work backwards, the first one is abide, that's the gospel lesson, love, which is the epistle lesson, and then go, which is the Acts lesson, all of which are exhortation words, like please do this, commandments, abide in my love, love one another as I have loved you. But if I don't start 
with the sense that, as John writes in the, in the epistle lesson, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Then what those will read or sound like to me as commandments to, that I cannot attain. Abide in the presence of God. I, I know where my mind actually abides. <laughs> it abides in my own thoughts and my own preoccupations, right? Nod your head. I'm always thinking about what somebody said to me or what's next on my calendar or an obligation that I've... Oh, and I please got to make sure that I don't forget on Monday to call, to let my wife call the city because we've got a branch about to fall in a tree, right? I mean, all that stuff, that's, that's, that is our preoccupation. And there is a contemplative tradition that really does invite us to be still, to contemplate, you see, the presence of God, which is entirely out of sync with the way most of us operate and have our day. But, you see, if I know that to abide begins with, follow me, I, I know you guys are trying to do this with a camera, be patient. If, if, if I understand that a part of what abiding might be is to be in the presence of the God who blows his love and grace through the deepest parts of my heart, who pours out upon me the very refreshment that I need to be able to walk in his presence, who brings to me mercy because he knows how desperately I need it, because he, I am the one, as are we, to whom all hearts are open. I hope that's good news, not bad news. The in the midst of all of that, that will cause me to want to go here. Because isn't it true that a lot of our not abiding is still an effort somehow to prove our worth, who we are, even perhaps in the presence of God? If I'm nice to people today, maybe God will be nice to me, sort of quid pro quo, or even in terms of our neighbors. We are soaked in a culture that's actually all about being impressive and presenting yourself, whether it be by the, the, the public but not so secret code of how we dress or the vocabulary that we use or even the names that we drop, the way we handle our finances that really show other people a certain part of who we are that we want them to see, as opposed to the parts of ourselves that we don't want them to see. There, there's a kind of drivenness in all of that, is there not, that works in us a kind of inner, either freneticism because we need their approval, or the kind of self-absorption that says, you know, I don't care what anybody thinks. I mean, we don't know how to negotiate it. It's like this. And so, if I don't see that abiding actually helps correct all of that profoundly narcissistic self 
focus and the need of other people to applaud me, to be noticed and thanked. I won't go there because I'm still almost like the gerbil in the wheel trying to get things done because that actually is what it means to be useful, right? And if there's anything that particularly uh, we like is that we want to be useful. We want to make a difference. We want to do right by what it is that we've been given. It's been grained in us since we were three years old. But if I begin to understand that somehow learning how to walk and live in the presence of God helps reorder my disorder, that's incentive like nothing else I know. Because I know very, very well my own disorders, as do most of us if we're honest. And that God has really provided for us a counteraction to those disorders, which is actually about learning how to be still in his presence. Oh, great. Can't do that without five seconds later looking at my phone right? But learning how to be still in the presence of God reshapes us in such a way that when we do look at our phones, which we will, we react differently. That looks a little bit more like Jesus and less like my own self-serving nature. In other words, the call to abide in my love that Jesus says in the gospel actually is an invitation to live out the truest thing about us, which is we are in a vine-branch relationship with Jesus himself. And to abide in him is to allow, in fact, the flow of his work that he is already doing in us to begin to blossom and express it itself in a way that actually looks like a more orderly life, a life that has more of a sense of his mercy, his presence, his attentiveness at work in us. Abide. Two, love. Can you see how one has to lead to the other? Because unlike certain techniques around things like transcendental meditation and the like, this does not lead to self-absorption or even necessarily in and of itself greater self-revelation. Instead, what this abiding does is because the focus is not here, the focus is him out there, actually begins to shape what I see and what I notice. Quite often, love in many ways is just paying attention and doing something about what it is that you see. And it is that flow of abiding that opens the door for me to be able to see and notice people in a different kind of way, to see them as who they are, treasures born out of the very presence of God, not just people who are either helping me out to get what I need or getting in my way, right? Because at our worst, that's how we think of people. People who are, they're either assets or liabilities, and you tolerate the liability as best you can 
doing your best to be courteous even when you're mistreated, and you sidle up to the liabilities because you like them, you want to be with them. They perhaps can be helpful to you in some way. There's a connection there that might help you get something that you're looking for or introduce you to somebody that you really want to meet. Almost all of the way we think about relationships in our secular, secular culture is actually around commodity, what they give or cannot give to us, and we make our judgments accordingly. That, beloved, is entirely contrary to the call to love one another as I have loved you. Are, are we a commodity in the eyes of God? If that's true, then I'm just sunk. I mean, the very reason that we began our service today with the confession of sin is the fact that we are, we are not a commodity asset to God. We're actually a debtor in need of his mercy. And the good news is that he loves us so much is that he pours it out upon us, frankly, whether we deserve it or not. He never treats us as a commodity, ever. So if I'm to love one another as I have loved you, how do I get past this deeply ingrained sense that somehow I'll pay attention to you to the extent that you are beneficial? Oh, I know how to be courteous. But that doesn't mean I'm loving. Don't you hear the distinction? You can go to a party and meet people and be courteous and affable and crack a joke and, and people will like you, but you're, that doesn't mean you love them at all. It just means you know how to operate within a social situation without people thinking less of you. In other words, at a verbal level, you know how to pick up the right fork. But that's not love. That's just skill at social engagement. Now, that's important. I'm not saying it's unimportant, but it's not love and should not be confused as such. Love, by its very nature, is actually sacrificial. If the call is to love one another as I have loved you, well, look at the gradual hymn that we sang. For us, he did this. For us, he did this. And the key line in the whole hymn is, in seeking not himself but us. Us. That's the way of literally summarizing that whole epiphany hymn within one phrase. That's actually the nature of what it means to love. It means you're reaching out and caring for people even if there is no benefit to you whatsoever. Just because that person is precious in the sight of God and worthy of deep, profound respect. even if it's the person who you're giving your credit card to, still of worthy of deep respect. If I'm going to love like that, I have to be able to see them. Otherwise, I won't. <laughs> it's like the person which could be you or me, you know, paying for groceries, even as we're talking on the telephone, writing in our little signature and then making our way and actually never even looking at the face of the person who's, you know, clicking our groceries down the... Isn't that true? You see, we're being trained by our culture not to pay attention. Trained. And the only way that's going to counteract that is that we learn how to live differently. We train, in other words, for a different way of life. Abiding, loving, then going. 
Going means paying attention and doing something about it. Having, because you're taking that kind of time with God, the capacity to sense the nudges that he does give us on the inside if we're willing to pay attention. Don't read the story of Philip in the, in the Ethiopian eunuch as a kind of Grimm's fairy tale within the book, of the book of Acts that would never happen to you and me. That is to do the story incredible disservice because the thrust of the New Testament is just what Philip is doing, the capacity to actually walk under God's direction, hear God's promptings, and then go do something about it, even if it's not on your agenda for the day. And that's what going looks like. But going is the fruit of the abiding and the loving, so that you enter into into the day with a kind of visual acuity that says at its very heart, I have come to do your will today, O my God. Seeking not himself but us. Lord, I know there's plenty of stuff on my list, but quite honestly, I'd much rather do what you want than what I think my obligations may be. Open the doors. Please help me to see my circumstances as you see them, not from my own myopic self-contained point of view. That's what it seems to me in this day and age. It means to walk as a Christian. To be one who is learning how to abide, who out of that is learning how to love, and is learning how to pay attention, to be available to go, when the opportunity arises. You never know when it's going to happen. It's a part of the wonderful surprise of God that creates things that you never ever would have expected and bang, there it is, step in. And most of the time we do, sometimes we're too afraid. We're still caught up in what people think of me. It's all right, it's perfect love that casts out fear, we'll get over that. But would you not want to be a part of this kind of life? That's what the Scripture is teaching us this morning. You see, the the danger is because these passages are so profoundly familiar, love one another, abide in my love, is that it just becomes meaningless language that just goes over our head, like a lot of what we do even liturgically, rather than understanding what is happening are words that have thunder in them that break open places inside of us, expose us in new ways to the presence of God, and reshape through his mercy our hearts. Because this is a living God that is even here in our midst, though we cannot see him. What I would ask of you, what I would implore of you, please don't coast Find deeper ways. Ask God to help you to say yes to him and what he would want to do, both in you and through you. The needs are enormous, both out there as well as within the caverns of our hearts. And yet he provides an invitation that offers healing and great mercy and a life filled, filled, with the wonder of his love. Don't settle for for less than that. Please 
say yes. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinityvero.org and follow us on Facebook.